Hey there, my name is Mark McCartney and welcome to the What Is A Good Life podcast. If you're new to this podcast, over the last three years, I've interviewed nearly 200 people around this question, not to prescribe you with the universal answer, but to help you find and define your own answer to this question. While I'm also trying to share with you what I perceive to be more genuine expressions of the human experience and more meaningful conversations. Which brings me to this week's episode and the 58th edition of the What Is A Good Life podcast. And I'm delighted to introduce Dan Lawrence and Johan Botha as our guests. Dan is a Jungian psychoanalytic psychotherapist and a social dreaming consultant, a former derivatives trader and a lifelong practitioner of Zen and contemplative traditions. Johan is managing director of GSA Mindworks, a company cultivating a personal, participatory and measured approach to human integrity, a former filmmaker and storyteller with an enlivening interest in human character. I asked them to join me this week as all three of us have been exploring a sense of soul more closely recently. And I wanted to share those musings with you to see if these types of conversations resonate with or add to your own explorations in life. In this conversation, we explore what soul means to us, where we get glimpses or senses of soul in our lives, and how soul can move or call us to action. We talk about the significance of soul regarding how we engage and participate in life, our relationships with others, and our work, as well as the places and spaces around us. We also explore how experiences of dread can lead us to a feeling of both soullessness and a lack of presence, and how we can cultivate space and awareness for more connection with soul. If you feel like your existence or life is lacking soul, whether that is in your work, relationships, or a sense of mystery with the world that we inhabit, this episode will give you plenty to contemplate, as well as images and metaphors for reinvoking more soul in your life. Look, I absolutely love this conversation. Dan is someone who I speak to around the theme of soul very frequently. He's also one of the most insightful people I've met, and I'm very glad to have him back for a second appearance on the podcast. Johan is also someone who I've been talking to a lot around soul over the last few months, and I find his capacity to draw on metaphor and story a really kind of captivating way to approach the idea of more soul in our lives. So I found this conversation to be really enlightening and really enlivening, and I hope you will too. And if you enjoy this conversation, please like, share and subscribe. And if you're on the podcasting platforms, please continue to leave your lovely reviews as I greatly appreciate your support at this stage of my podcasting journey. So without further ado, the 58th episode of the What is a Good Life podcast. Gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me today on the What is a Good Life podcast. Uh, Dan, you are you have the distinction of being the first person to appear on this, uh, this twice. Uh, so I'm very grateful for your company once more. Uh, Johan, I'm also very grateful for your company as well today. Uh, the reason why I've asked you both to join me uh, for this conversation today is we're all exploring uh, soul at the moment. And I've had lots of interesting interactions with both of you, lots of musings and wonderings. And I just wanted to bring this together for a recording to see what would emerge. So thank you very much for, ha- for joining me today. Mm, thank you very much for having us. Thank you. So, gents, the, the first question I have is, what is soul? <laughs> oh, that question. <laughs> I've given it a little bit of thought in the sense of when I think somebody says uh, they go soul searching, it's not actually the soul that they're looking for. You know, like, uh, so it's, it suggests that there's, uh, it's something in, in the soul, like, uh, and so it's something within the mind or within the consciousness experience of the, of the human being that they're 
looking for. Soul to me just has a little bit of a feeling of also embodiment, not just um, uh, not just just mind. You know, like it feels like it's inclusive of the body and the mind. It's 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 uh, so. Um, but what it is, I, I couldn't tell you. I, I best use it as a metaphor, uh, uh, without making uh, making it sound like using metaphor or metaphorical poetic speech down. Because I think we shouldn't. I think it's it's very important, um, and also ways which I, I I doubt I could could articulate. But at best, I would say I'm often using it as a metaphor to 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 get to an experience. And I think we use metaphor to talk about the things we know nothing about or which we'd love to talk about, but we don't understand. So, yeah. Oh, I can align with that. All of that. I think, um, I'd add an image in there. I think it's an image too. Mm. I think soul, whatever soul is, is imaged in us and in the world in a sense. Um, I, I think it's worth making a distinction between, um, what we've come to think of as soul, which tends to be this kind of personal property or something between us and something else and kind of old notions like the world soul, like Anima Mundi and, and stuff like that, which I'm really, certainly right now, I'm really intrigued by this interplay between this notion of trying to ensoul ourselves and work out uh, a soulful way of, or soulful image of, our, of ourselves or the way that we live. And this underlying notion that the world itself, nature, is ensouled in a sense. And actually where where I've really landed lately is is that interplay between the two, of course, the two and the one in that sense. Um, in, in, in psychotherapy, and of course psychotherapy has a lot to answer for because psyche, which is kind of broadly translated as soul, has become a thing as well in psychotherapy. So, and it's become more... I think in many places associated with mind, really, rather than, Johan, what kind of you're speaking out of this metaphorical kind of uh, wandering and, you know, this sense of being in the world and a part of the world and uh, embodied in, in some kind of way too. And I, what, what I really love when I'm working with people is when... Um, to, to say it poetically because that kind of fits is when people become unwrapped to themselves in a way all the the wrappings of mind and self-image or whatever whatever their language is around themselves start to kind of open and then you might just begin to kind of work out what this working out of soul is in, in a life in a sense but you almost have to put the other stuff down for a while mm. first so are we hinting at gents like a sense of like soul then being like natural or like at the end of or when we disentangle things or let things unfold that we get glimpses of soul in our life? Well, I think one language for soul is dreams and you know, to, to follow what you just said, we, we tend to disentangle, we tend to let ourselves down at night when we're sleeping and then images arise and this um, other layer of being kind of speaks to us in some kind of way that is both 
connected to our way of living and has something to say about it, but equally is and of itself in some kind of way too. So yeah, I think so. I think that's, um, I know you've been kind of looking into the connection between kind of silence and soul, and that certainly resonates with me in a sense. Then often, that's slippery, isn't it? I was about to say that there's a kind of clearing that you, you, you may deliberately clear some space to fall into a more soulful way of being. And yet, so often appears right in the mess of stuff when lots of lots is happening too and you're kind of rolling around in the mud and it's very earthy and there's a kind of catonic kind of element to it too so it's all this paradox right you know whatever whatever we say about it the opposite kind of arises in me mm. I think. yeah def definitely for me because i i definitely have got attached to the notion of almost like some uh <laughs> virtuous uh, sense of connection between soul and silence right but then the moment i think of like soul music or soul mm. food or a soulful gathering or reverie or whatever it may be very little silence may be maybe in, in present in those uh, scenarios hmm. the way that i link the the silence because i think you're onto something uh, regarding the silence is um maybe what we also mean by by solitude and um and and compare solitude then with loneliness uh, i think we are experiencing you know maybe we've always do but i, I definitely experiencing around when when i'm doing dialogues that loneliness is a big issue for people uh, so is the feeling of uh, a lack of connection or um and 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 in that that way, uh, the way that I the image that you speak of also Dan the the, the image that I have of, of soul is um, is almost a kind of uh, spiritual connection also with yourself and your silence and and, and 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 a way of being that is connected then to everything else if you want to call that the world soul and so on. I, I get also a little bit uh, scared going into those territories because it can uh, it can get. Um, murky fast but i think people can feel when they're okay with themselves and sometimes that can be in a crowd or not in a crowd you could literally be alone on a mountaintop or among trees and, and feel a, a connection to life um and uh that you're not trying to make it better or change anything um and that's definitely how i got to the word soul strangely enough wasn't um wasn't through any um directly any kind of uh, spiritual meditation, although it makes sense that you would. Um, I, I was meditating on the idea of having a fuller participation in life, There's just just that you're, you are a part of everything else and, and how to um, take responsibility or how to really awaken your participation in life uh, is for me how I got to the idea of soul. Like the soul spoke to me as a, as, 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 as um, a way of just, catching a lot of those ideas that I had together. And, and when I looked at the history of it, 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 it seemed to, to hold true. So um, if I then looked at, uh, uh, as far as I could understand it, Plato's idea of, of soul, like it, it seems like it has a, a spiritual component. It's got a psychological component and then it's got a ethical component, you know, like of, of uh, so, so, and, and, and so it's, it, it rings true again when you want to participate in life there there's probably an, an ethical component but i know when it gets too moralistic that it's uh no no I'm, it's 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 not quite right and if um and, and finding a finding a, a a fuller participation you know like uh 
wouldn't try and divorce maybe our, our psychological inner states with the, the social states uh, or social relational states, which we could maybe call as the reason for ethics. It's, it's just actually our, our need to, to, to relate to one another. And then spirit, just simply in the sense of this, um, I'm trying to, to, to at least to attend to the finer things that is maybe even um, hard to describe or it's definitely a movement, right? So, 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 so it's the, the movement of participation in its various guises and forms where I feel almost like the, the soul house that movement of life in a, in a way. So yeah, like I'm, I'm dancing around because it's it's, it's, it's very difficult to to, to, to to hold. But hopefully, something of that resonated, and then you can spin. Yeah, well, that. well, this is this is just this is a, a dancing only podcast today, <laughs> <laughs> given the topic that's involved. So this is this is more than welcome, Johan. Sorry, Dan, you were going to say something there. Well, yeah, you're dancing, but I think you're. I think some of the moves you're making kind of land on really important things too. So. Um, <laughs> I mean, you, you mentioned spirit a couple of times, and I'm glad you did, because I think it's important here. And I, I'm not always courageous enough to mention it, because I, I tend to then trip myself up along the way somewhere. But, you know, to answer your question, Mark, one, one way that I think about soul, which is a strange thing in itself, um, is we're, we're very used to kind of spirit narratives, which, which tend to kind of aim upwards in a sense you know the, the western at least idea of spirit is this kind of you know gets wrapped up in intellect and this notion of moving forward and technology has a spirit about it in a way and yet our feet are on the ground and so you know if we think about us as human being we're both made of stardust we're, we're really intimately connected to the stars at a kind of cosmic level you know across time in a sense and we, our feet are on the ground and we, we return to the earth at the end of our life. And so soul is something of that movement, I think, which is another word you used, uh, Johan, between these polarity of, of kind of this movement upwards and this movement downwards in a way. And one thing I've, I've come to realize, uh, I can't remember who said it. I was, I was at a Jungian lecture online a few weeks ago and somebody mentioned catonic spirit, which is um, it's a spirit of nature, really. But it's the spirit that comes upwards from the earth, from what's under our feet, in a way. And that's really helped me think of soul, that it's kind of caught between. It's this material embodied working out of, of the space between the spirit kind of that goes up there and the spirit that comes from kind of underneath, in a way. Um, and our pull in two directions, in a sense, that movement. That, that, um, because everything is movement, ultimately. It, it speaks to that connection point, or because this is yeah. where I'm also at. Like, uh, movement is very interesting. If, let's say if we, uh, if, if spirit is um, tripping people up, you know, like so, so there's, there's a lot of akin to movement, like even particles moving or everything that mm. seems to be in, in, in some kind of flux. and. The, the, the image that I get for soul, though, is, is maybe in to help um, distinguish it from spirit, for example, because um, mm. uh, it, it can sometimes seem like the same thing. But it's, in a way, a holding space, like a holding holding movement in, in, in this case. And, and it would link to your almost ideas of silence. Uh, um, silence, in, in, in a way, is the gap that can generate uh, or at least allow you to listen to 
the cacophony of everything that is already going on. So uh, silence doesn't have to be then in the uh, the exact opposite to a soulful gathering in the sense if you can hold space for a soulful soulful ga- gathering where um, it uh, yeah it it, it it you 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 feel like it nourishes the soul. Uh, what I think, what I think that means is, um, it makes home, you know, like it, it, it's, it's, it's the thing that makes, uh, makes home, which is again, for me, a place, but it's not a, it's not the same as a house. It's, it's home. And, and for us, if you, if you, if you then say it's a spiritual home, what does that mean? But it, it, it's the idea that it's, it can, uh, I don't want to leave it just in the spiritual because I think, uh, I, I, I don't separate the body and soul. For example, I, I, I think there's, there's traditions that would, uh, think the soul just continues internally and, and when the body is separate, but I'm, I, I like a more naturalistic mm. idea of the, the body and soul is very, very intimately connected. And I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I have to add anything that the soul is a, a you know, a separation, uh, or, or eternal and then reincarnated it. That gets too much for me to to to, to handle. Uh, I see it fused in the sense of being at home in the world and soul. So, like, but you, the same way you've got to be at home in your own body. But what that means in a soulful way is being home to whatever everything that moves in you. The um, being space for the world is is is, is another way that I've uh, I, I like I like the phrase. I got it from I think Douglas Harding, and 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 the phrase. What I realized is. Um, in our encounter or an encounter with somebody like you, you feel how often the things are also moving within you. And so, so to, 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 to hold space for that or to notice how you are, uh, you can have awareness of how somebody's emotions is also moving in you. And, 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 and a lot of things are, are, are moving. So it's just an honesty of uh, experience to say that they, um, I can connect to that. I, I probably connected here rather than trying to go over and connect it there because then I might also try and fix it over there where I think that's a problem, like where you could just hold space f- for it here. And then y- you might actually find your way into having a big soul that can really accommodate a lot of movements, you know, that might to some other people see contradictory energies that would usually conflict and bump I- in each other. But you can house it all. You can, you can, you can, you, you have almost a home for it all that it's not these different movements is not that foreign to you. That's at least how I could then start seeing a, a big soul play out. You know, there's um, in some of the weekly meetings I've been hosting recently and, and one of them uh, specifically focusing on soul. I really like the sentiment of um, like a communal aspect to soul or a communal contact w- with soul. And also even the, I don't know, just from what you were saying there, the sense of, um, I don't know, the, there's something, it's, it's as much as it's, it's the soul of the world, or people could even say, maybe we, if you thought you have some fragment of soul within you or whatever it is, um, in whatever interpretation someone may have, I think there's something really just about it as the contact point of, of life or an acknowledgement of, of life. There's, so, there's something to it where, I know you mentioned, Dan, the idea of spirit being up here. I really like the idea of soul being almost like the mediator between spirit and self, like, or, or soul is some sort of manifestation of spirit, or it, it gives spirit a chance to live in life. And then there's, so I, I just kind of have this image in my head of soul pulling so many things, whether it's our own internal experience, other people's experience, uh, spirit, matter, it, it, 
it seems to be almost like a, a crux or a meeting point for holding so much together without it being this so easily definable thing that I'm trying to define here. But there's something, there's some essence of it like that. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I, it reminds me of McGilchrist and his work and this, this sense that uh, relatedness and relations are, be, are before relata, what is related in a sense. And so <clears throat> sometimes we think of soul and we talk about the things of soul, like music, like home, like a uh, good bottle of wine, like you know, uh, the birth of the child, death. Um, but it's the, our relationship to it, and it's it's the connectedness of it all to our life, our embodied life, in a sense. And um, so, when I think of these different iterations, and I, I share your kind of vicinity, Johan, I think with uh, I've got one foot in religion, in a sense. And yet, you know, when you talk about soul in religion, it things very quickly lose their fluidity and their um, paradoxical kind of flavor really sorry dan why but recently so why could you just elaborate on that why, why do you feel that uh, in uh, about soul in that context well again I, I i mean you know it's certain contexts in religion it's not fair to kind no, of no, say sure, that sure. of all religion but it's it's um we'll say within the western christian tradition in a sense because you start talking about what soul is rather than you know we don't have a soul we we end soul over time i think it's that that movement somehow it's a kind of liminal movement and then at the end of our life we might look back in a soulful way upon how we've lived in a sense but religion tends to talk about the soul or souls in a sense and um and yeah i've, I've recently I've, I've been looking into uh, an old tradition within christianity which uh, there's a german word silsorge which is loosely translates as care of souls and it, it's kind of what used to describe pastoral counseling within certain kind of parts of the church in a sense and what that was really about was just helping people examine their relationship between things between their idea of themselves and god or their the way that they live and the way that they want to live or their kind of uh, you know in this way of movement kind of explore their spirituality, their way of living in a sense. And I've, I've been exploring that word from the perspective of psychotherapy, because I think psychotherapy has lost its way. It's psyche therapy, it's, you know, cure of souls. And yet there's not much soulfulness in therapy nowadays. Uh, so I've been lean, leaning into a, a more religious tradition of Silsorga to try and connect the two and to see if, again, in that connection, there's a way of, kind of reinvigorating either pole of that in a sense but um i think it is all about relationships and the, these kind of connections between things uh, rather than the thing itself can i uh, just get us to take a step backwards for a moment and ask both of you what compelled you to take a closer look at soul or what piqued your curiosity at this point in time to reflect more upon the, the sense of soul? The, the voice of soul in my life, really. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, and, and through, through various ways, I mean, we've talked about the body, you know, the, you know, there's, there's, we've talked about before Mark, you know, my physical illness, you know, three or four years ago now, which is, um, 
you know, invites you into this space of the body is speaking to you in some way. And that's, mm. it's an invitation into a relationship with this kind of embodied soul in a way. Um, dreams in that sense, the dreams of uh, my clients in psychotherapy, you know, the way that I found myself responding or found myself um, over time feeling the gap between me and a more soulful way of practicing in that sense and um and how in the field in the room between you and this other person and these kind of relationship in between this field like quality to that the the soul of which you are both a part as well as your individual working out of that how something in those dreams will point more towards a soulful way of working in that in that way mm. so um yeah the voice of, of that in its multifarious mm. manifestations, I guess. Yeah, I think I, I touched a little bit on it for myself was um, uh, the word that I've been using a lot in my dialogue practice is um, creative participation, you know, like, and so, and I was working with that, like to have a, um, not just any uh, participation, but the, what I meant with creativity there can also be um, interpreted in many ways. But for me was, then closer to a kind of soulful participation, like a very, um, uh, yeah, like a, um, there's, there's, there's a, there's a creative energy and spirit in, 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 in creativity that, uh, that probably was already linked in that, in, in that thinking. Um, I guess I like the idea of, um, um, the the animating principle almost in the body or bodies you know like or, or in matter um and so that's how i got to it and and i i think i, I just want to caveat bit by saying like i think um even though I'm, I'm i'm cautious when it comes to to religion uh from a dialogue practice i would love to create space so that um, different people with their perspectives, including the religious perspective, can try and and and, and state that. And that, that part of this exploration is to is to see how you might see soul differently to me and 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 somebody or a Christian perspective of it. So that's that is a genuine invitation for me. But what I like about it by linking it and, and not trying to separate it by the by body or anybody is is, is I, I was interested in, in my dialogue practice and and. Uh, I realized the issue was around aliveness for me, you know, like, so, so you come into different things um, and, 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 and maybe it, as I'm trying to just was trying to distinguish what is it that I'm looking for in dialogue to help activate uh, your aliveness and, and, and creative participation in life so that uh, I'm not trying to um, say we should make each other better or make the world better, uh, um, but actually find our, um, find our way of being in the world like just the, who we are and, and how we want to participate and that this is enough it's 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 often when we the grand the grand schemes of making it world better is, 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 is sometimes so far-fetched that we just trip ourselves up and everything else and it looks like and can quickly get to a mess where you know just going from like you're here how do you you know like how do you want to participate in this thing and one of those little things that I keep going back down to, and I don't know why that's an issue, because clearly if you're here and you're breathing, you're alive. So how's aliveness an issue? But somehow I feel like there is a little bit of soullessness or there's a little bit of lack of, you know, when, it, when in a conversation where you feel renewed or enlivened by it. And, and, the, when, and, and when I have a good conversation, how even if it's a tough one and I disagree, you could see how, you know, like it, it could still activate um my my sense of being in the world and 
and and and so aliveness became an issue and for me and that that I found interesting and that I want to share and and and, and, and like I wanted to overflow from me and so in, in the alchemical language that I played with, it was often a fire, you know, like the fire in my belly and like how to kind of like not tend to the fire in you, you know, so again, another metaphor that I could have used. And so soul was then very similar to tending that, that fire, that aliveness uh, in you uh, for a creative, partic fulfilling participation in life. So that's, that's. Uh, I still want to use all these other words and not just soul because I, I, I get, um, that's what I like about metaphors. If you, if you can stop changing the images up uh, uh, around a little bit instead of uh, get getting dogmatically stuck on one and trying to justify why this is the one because I I have such limited imagination and, 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 and intellect to come up with that one in the first place I, I'd, I'd be you know I'd just be blocking myself off to 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 your contributions and, 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 and pictures so a way to remind myself that way is, is not to get too attached to soul, but like your question is a nice invitation. Again, how did you get to it? Because you, I've used other words like aliveness and participation and connect deeper but, connection with it, with life and that's it. But I think that word um, aliveness for me is kind of what's brought me to this inquiry as well, some way. Um, and also, I, I'd say there seems to be a relentless focus in society to label everything and to explain everything and to define everything. And there's something about soul, like that even when I ask you guys, what is soul? There's something lovely about even getting groups of people together to discuss soul, because it brings us to a point where nobody's coming in with a fixed answer straight away. And so there, it automatically opens up a playfulness, an uncertainty, um, a fumbling, a reaching for metaphor. And it creates these circumstances where we can actually engage with that aliveness in real time we're not theorizing aliveness and i think one of the ways that we're suffering the most is even just to touch on what you said there johan our obsession with trying to make ourselves like to improve ourselves i think in in that push we're we're and even with our kind of scientific model for interpreting the world we're limiting areas where we can go like we're reducing our lane to we have to investigate with what is absolutely known here or where i feel i stand in a point of expertise where i think there's something wonderful about soul like i haven't a fucking clue how to define soul and i've been reading books upon it and having conversations about it for months now <laughs> you know i i i didn't take a stab at that question because i didn't have an you know <laughs> i let you guys make fools out of yourselves um no no but no but you know you, you know what i mean like i like i, I don't I, have a, I appreciate that yeah i don't have a clear answer and i, and I think there's something even the the word almost embodies the process or the playfulness or the connection with it in, in some weird metaphysical way almost hmm. and and johan your your answer again you used an image at the end of, of kind of fire in a sense and it brings me back to images because it does, there's an excitement mm. that comes with that. So another answer to your question, Mark, is I fell in love again with soul, I think. You know, when I talk about somewhere between the space of sitting in a room practicing for many years and then sitting in a hospital bed with nothing to do beyond trying to breathe and kind of picture myself forward in a way, um, images kind of filled the gap in that sense. and. I realized that some of my practice had become a little stale in terms of it become too technical, it become too kind of, you know, because the world kind of demands that in a way it demands 
well, the world of psychotherapy increasingly demands a technical response to things. And um, to go back to McGilchrist, this kind of left hemispheric, accumulative way of uh, being in the world, rather than this relational kind of um, interconnected discovery type mode of being, in a way, uh, imagistic mode of being. And yeah, I, I've just, and, and as soon as I fell back in love with that, it shifted the way that I work and it, um, to connect to your image, you know, just, just last night I was, I was, um, speaking to some potential new clients and, um, they asked me kind of what, what psychotherapy looks like in a sense or what, what I'd be doing. And the, the, the most honest response I could be is like, well, it's a bit like this. You, you come into the room and there's this big old pot cooking on a fire and the fire, you know, we're tending the fire together just to apply the right amount of heat. And as you come in the room, we lift the lid of, of the pot and we stir together and we might season a little bit here and there. And then at the end of the session, we put the lid back on and you leave, but you know the cooks, the, the pot's still cooking, but you also know that the lid is on, so it's contained, it's there, until you next come back and then we'll see what's cooking up next and then we'll, we'll season and stir again. It's the best way I can describe it in a way, because it's an image, because it, yeah. The, the whoever I say that to will have their own imagination about that, but it gives an embodied um, imagistic sense of what, what the work is about rather than a neat description that immediately kind of corners off different places that we can go to in a sense. You yeah. know, as a, if you say, oh, well, we do this and then we work through this phase and then we take a history and then we kind of do a formulation and then we do this, then suddenly... Um, all the the various ways that we could explore are, are condensed into this implicit path ahead of us. And these images, these kind of metaphors, oh, it's going to be a bit fiery or, um, you know, it, it's, it's so much more alive in mm. that sense. And, um, and there is a soul to work, right? There, there is a, there's a, a soul of the workplace too, that I increasingly find now, now I sit back in this kind of, um, position and relationship and curiosity about soul without needing to define it too well. Um, they say you get the clients you need and, and, you know, I'm a Jungian therapist. Often you get people in midlife kind of asking that question of what life is about, what their life has been about and what, what is unfolding in their next, what they've missed out on, what is unlived in a sense, what is unrelated to. And, and it begs that question, what am I missing out in my, in my career? What am I missing out in terms of, um, you know, if I'm, if I'm a policeman, a siren just went past, if I'm a policeman, you know, how, how am I living that out in a sense? You know, what is, what is the soul of um, a law officer? What is law really about? What is it? What does the law do? Does it, is it about keeping us safe? Is it about kind of controlling people? How am I what is my relationship to that in a sense? How am I soulfully kind of connected to what I do, what, what my career is about? Hmm. What, what I like, what you're pointing also there to Dan for me is um, bringing us back to, to, to image is different than just um, in, in dialogue. We often work with meaning or we hear a lot about um, we look for meaning and there's something about soul that like speaks to the meaning. But uh, 
image is also an, another way where which can also speak to mystery you know like in the way that you at least open it up um so that uh having a soulful relationship does not exclude meaning and even rationality if you looked at like marx you said like um some of the ancients loved to see the rational part of us as the the highest part of the soul even or, or whatever so they didn't even exclude that but they did have the various faculties and so it would include that like there's there's this there's, there's something really um it's like a real homecoming to soul like that is just um that is equally strange you know like so it's so it's 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 it's, it's that's why I guess I like the word participation because you can in a way it's like participating with the mystery with the images that you you can come up with you know and not explaining them all like I'm sure like sometimes you know like sometimes if you can present somebody with a metaphor or an image you don't always have to explain like like sometimes it's just nice to present it you know um and see what it does and and then and then how people would interpret it differently and and, and activate their imagination there's something about that that makes me think of just the unknown and the invisible and you know even the the sense of soul not being something that i can point to or capture or contain and just even the investigation in, in of not knowing where i'm going sometimes with soul like i i love this sense of it uh not pretend like i i think i don't want to I don't want to make it sound too virtuous by saying there's some sort of like sense of like a few people in the groups that I've been running have been touching or pointing to the idea of an ancient wisdom. And there's something about this for me that just, I don't know, like it's, it's wise, but it's not known or it's, or it's, it's, you know, I try to point to soul, I try to say what it is and I can't quite distill it or capture it. There's something like really, effortlessly potentially effortlessly wise or unknowable about it and when you're then even talking about a homecoming to yourself like I, if i'm coming home to like if 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 i'm orienting in the direction of soul it's not like it's a goal where if i you know if i do x y and z i i get it it's it's this continuous unfolding and it, and it, i don't know about you guys but even in in maybe dialogue or contact with soul like if you wanted to you know, if I if I'm asking a question, and it's not that it's this it's this direct process that I'm, what is my soul asking of me? Like, it's not going to be five bullet points, but I even just think the question just invites a a space, uh, an exploration that, once again, it's just continuously unfolding and orienting me. It's not defining or uh, kind of finally uh, giving a finality to to the to the question that I've asked. I, I have I have space for both. I think in terms of this this idea of this kind of antique soul to um, just use any old phrase really. Um, I, it's the way that you take it up. I think is really important in a sense because I think um, it's a bit like Jung kind of talking about God and saying, "Well, God is a there's a truth to God. There's a psychological fact, and that the idea of God the the complex of God has existed through time across religions as a way of explaining mystery. So there is this objective quality to that. The ontology of that is, you know, I'm happy to leave that up to other people in a sense. So, and similarly with this idea of a, a kind of antique soul, this kind of storehouse of 
And again, it goes back to images, really. For me, it's a kind of library of images and symbols that, um, you know, if we go right back to million year old man, to use another kind of young phrase from man and his symbols, um, there's, you know, there, there is this storehouse of images of, of prehistoric man all the way up to this conversation and all the conversations going on around the world that we can't exhaust, but it does hold something of resonance in a sense. And of course, the beauty of images and the beauty of working with soul through images is you cannot exhaust an image. Everybody has different um, thoughts, feelings, memories, interactions with different images in a sense. And that's beautiful in a sense. It opens, it's an opening. An image appears and you can't kind of kill the image and say, well, an image means this, and that's it in a sense. And yet there is this kind of antique meaning also, this underlying pattern that's held in an image in a sense. So um, to use a kind of dream-like example, if someone, uh, say, someone dreams of a tree and in the tree is mistletoe. Now, they have their personal associations to mistletoe. So when I say the word mistletoe, you might kind of think of kissing under the mistletoe at Christmas or something, or, you know, there's kind of cultural layers to that. There'd be personal memories of you having your first kind of Christmas kiss with uh, whoever it was under mistletoe or something like that. Um, equally, there's there's a, a kind of antique meaning of mistletoe. I mean, mistletoe grows in trees and uh, back to nature, it kind of drains the sap from trees and the fluid from trees. So ultimately, mistletoe is also a type of parasite. So if, mm. if, a, if in someone's dream, mistletoe appears in a tree, Yes, it might have all of these meanings associated with their life, with their ensouled, embodied kind of experience of life, mm-hmm. including relationships and uh, meeting their wife or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And yet there's this other meaning that is more antique, that is bound in nature mm-hmm. and the, the kind of existence of mistletoe and how it lives, how it interacts with other things in nature, that is also useful as a lens in terms of what it might be kind of what the dream might be interacting with us about in a sense. So what in my life is growing somewhere, but it's feeding off something else in me. And then what is my alignment to that? And how does that interact with my own experience of life? And so it's, it's just opening and opening and opening and opening. And that's what I love about this kind of, um, this dialogue, you know, kind of, uh, approach participation, you know, in your sense that, Soul invites us to participate with it at a personal level, at this kind of collective level, and to put everything on the table and just look for the patterns in a sense. And, uh, when you said participation earlier, Johan, I immediately the other part of me filled in mystique, and then you said something about mystery in a way. And it's uh, it is a kind of participation mystique. We we have to be prepared to almost kind of lose ourselves in the image or in in soul to be able to listen to it in a sense and then reapply it to whatever comes next and whatever comes next in some mm. if you think life is just something to solve then I, I don't know like i think you'll you'll forget to to live it and so my mind was not to try and make it better or to try and uh it, it's here you know like and 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 it doesn't mean that there's not an ethical domain i absolutely think there's an uh, a social relational domain that what you do matters and and and, and so forth okay but back to the image that i had because it it, it sees how it, it it shows how i'm approaching it but also where my open questions lie because um 
Now, coming from the other side, I'm thinking of horror images and and, and zombies, for example, as, 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 as soulless. Um, or Frankenstein, and Frankenstein is an interesting one because uh, I, I, I really want to see the new film Poor Things that looks like a really nice retelling of the Frankenstein myth with soul. Like, what if uh, what if you find a way to um, reanimate? Um, so, 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 so clearly, this animation and 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 there, anime and anima is also another words anima mundi, like you said, like the, is is words for soul. So, like this animation, an animated principle in life is one, and we can see how that often in 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 in, in horror films it goes wrong when we're trying to do it. But I would venture to say that can't be that can only be a half truth because it's maybe how we tried to do it. Like because I've never seen a film where they tried to reanimate somebody with a piece of poetry. It's rather with uh, reanimate somebody with these wires or this kind of like serum or concoction or whatever else. Like so, I guess what I'm trying to get at is I th- I like to see the warning or the danger in trying to reanimate um, uh, ourselves or, or or trying to come home to soul or what is it that why would we say a zombie is soulless when there's still movement and a flesh eating or like a consumerism like let's say a zombie has got um is a kind of metaphor for uh our our soulless consumer society and and like you you saw those early zombie films or attacking these supermarkets which then also felt like a place which lacked soul you know like where uh, versus the old mom and pop shop that had like little things but everything was a little bit had more soul into it so uh, trying to get to soul from the other side like why would we say a zombie hasn't a soul or even the the early frankenstein or or would you actually say frankenstein did have soul and he was just misunderstood and i don't know like a I'll leave it open Just, there. Uh, See what you guys it's, make of it. It's so funny how some of these conversations work. Sometimes I was thinking, I was thinking before you said that, how do we, how am I going to bring in soullessness into into the conversation? And then you just it just <laughs> flows in so naturally. Uh, sorry, Dan, you're you're going to say something there. I think. Huh. I just, uh, I mean, it reminds me of the old Jewish idea of the golem, which um, I, I don't know if you know much about that. I mean, I'm, I'm going to give a really shortened version of it but that would be the golem would be constructing out out of the earth out of clay out of mud and the rabbi it was almost like a last resort to construct the golem if something that needed to happen hadn't yet happened in a sense and so this this big kind of figure that mindless would be constructed and then uh, life would be breathed into it you know and of course anima to use that word has roots um Latin anima is is also breath. There's there's um, there's an old Celtic word that is very close to anima, which means breathing. To um, mm. Sanskrit, there's a Sanskrit word that is close to anima that is about breath too. And uh, the rabbi would would kind of breathe life into this anima with with this one task to do. And then once it completed the task, it had to the, the rabbi had to catch it very quickly and just change a Hebrew sign on its head to from life to death for it to then return back to the earth. But if he didn't do that in time, then the golem would increasingly just destroy everything around, around it. So there was this kind of race against time in a sense. And um, I think it's a myth as old as time, this sense of, you know, if we, th- we think about our anxieties about AI and this, this sense of breathing life into this mind that can, 
solve things for us. We give it a task to do, but then we're all a little bit worried about where that ends up in a sense. So I, I think it's, it's a really pertinent question and it's a, another ancient idea of how we kind of ensoul the world in some kind of way that um, I don't think we've arrived yet at the answer in a sense. I think, um, and this is where soul, I, I think, is really important. This is where I, I was saying to someone yesterday, you know, the, who, who works in tech. Um, for me, the, the biggest technology around, the, the most ancient technology is soul, and is dreams and the way that soul communicates with us through dreams, through images, through spontaneous, you know, through participation and what arises in the, the space in between, in a sense. And yet in a very like kind of left hemispheric way to go back to McGilchrist, we're trying to engineer that in some way we're trying to engineer a better version of it rather than sinking back into nature in a way and of course we're increasing the gap between us and nature and nature is suffering but, um, you know is there i'm really yeah. intrigued by the idea of what is soulless and and how that can even occur you know you know and it's a bit like the what your observations on aliveness and um johan is and then even dan even just we were talking about breath like we're always breathing how do how how could we even uh, suggest something feels like someone is full of aliveness and some people aren't and then by extension even just the idea that we could consider something whether it's an institution um an ideology, whatever it may be, we could attribute the idea of soullessness to it. Just from your guys' perspective, uh, just what what do you think starts to to cultivate even a sense of of soullessness? Like, just even I'm not talking about anything on, on a wider scale, just on a very human individual level. What what do you think kind of points us in that direction? I have a very short answer in that I think imagination is replaced by dread because I think that which is uh, whatever soul is, but it tends to always include some kind of sense of spontaneity, some sense of aliveness of something unfolding, um, which is often energetic, it's felt and often is imagistic too, that somehow something shifts in the relationship in a human life between the sense of themselves and that, and that becomes dreadful rather than yeah. um, aliveness in a sense. Hmm. It doesn't quite make the DSM. No, high, I, I, but I think there is a. I think a, you've described it there as beautiful. <laughs> hmm. Well, I, I, it's. I mean, you know, I'm paraphrasing Jung really. I mean. Just, just pretend. Just pretend it's your own. Just. <laughs> <laughs> if only. Um, but I think it is. I think it's the the kind of if if you if you sit there long enough in that perspective, it's the kind of clients that arrive at the door that understand something of that. It's a certain kind of um, often in people's midlife or second half of life that that mm. occurs. I, I'd like to continue on that one. I, I love the imagination. Um, what I like to bring with that, uh, the sense of aliveness is um, 
uh, is presence. So if uh, if I feel something is soulless, it's like I'm actually maybe at the work office and nobody's actually present to what they're doing. They're probably all in dread or in some way want to be somewhere else, anywhere but mm. here. But let's just do it to get through our day uh, with l as little drama or headache or whatever as possible. But it actually, unfortunately, by trying to avoid the conflict, the, they're not present to whatever like is there that needs needs confronting or needs uh, needs dealing with. Um, and what how I would like to link that to imagination, because imagination is, is, is something big that I, uh, I, I love inquiring into. Um, it's through some, and I forgot now, whoever, like uh, a few people mentioned it. And the one that comes to mind now is Iris Murdoch. But um, a, a few has point to a, a distinction between, and, and, and it maybe goes even back to uh, Coleridge, um, between fantasy and, 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 and imagination. And um, one distinction that makes sense to me is, uh, I, could, I, I could imagine like you're in this, environment that feels like soulless in the workplace and people are actually busy with fantasies in a sense like trying to be, just be anywhere else but here but uh, uh fantasy in this sense that i mean is is is, is 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 trying to escape the reality of of just where you're or at where i think imagination is a is for me an, an act of seeing and participation with the world with what's there so it's so so it's not an avoidance with what's there but it's being able to see it from different perspectives like empathy needs imagination to try and really get the sense of how it's like from 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 your perspective. I mean, I, I can't literally go there, so I'm, I'm using the faculties of my imagination to move around and to 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 try and sense into things and to um, work with my intuitions and and, and and the images that's coming to mind and, and and so forth. Where I take then the distinction with fantasy, kind of like you can get caught up in your own fantasies that seems to separate you from being present, and and, and there's something. So it's a strange one to to use. That's why I had to explain what I mean by those, but um, uh, being present is key to notice that you're actually, you know, working with the imagination rather than how I'm trying to explain fantasy, you know, like, um, so if you're, if, if you're working with the images and how they're coming up and you're, you're staying with them and you're being present with them and, and seeing how they are, uh, reflected in, in, um, by those who you're sharing it with, uh, I think then we're practicing the imagination. You could see how fantasy could, uh, it's associative. So I think it's a continuum. So you can't just say you don't do fantasy. I'm not trying to make it bad i just think you can um where you where you start drifting away um with your own narratives with your own self-talk with your own fantasies of daydreaming and stuff where you we start drifting away that it actually can make you become less present and then almost in a weird way less alive and present with other people because we forget then that we're we're at the office with other people and so the next thing you know they all might be in their headsets and having some awesome fantasies but with you walking in there like it feels soulless in a way like i would i would find like there's no there's no aliveness uh because there's something that emerges in our relating with one another that is that that is um yeah um again i guess why I, i'm coming from it in an angle of participating you're not you're you're not here alone and i'm not just meaning with other people i mean meaning it with uh with the rest of nature or or, or, or and, and, and that aliveness and so imagine you you walk up to the tree but the tree doesn't really seem like it's there you know like <laughs> luckily that doesn't happen but it does happen to, to a human where you can walk up to them and they, they just don't seem to be quite there you know like uh, but, yeah, because often those fantasies that people are lost in are also repetitive. You know, Freud, mm. I'm no Freudian, but he, 
I think you really pointed to something in that repetition compulsion in a sense that there's this, especially as we get older, unless we enliven ourselves and have a connection with soul, we, we can end up quite siloed in these repetitive ideas in a way which establishes a pattern that's very hard to break free from in a sense. And Mark, I have an example. I think I may have told you this, so forgive me if you've heard this already, but um, I once did some social dreaming work with a a group, uh, a group of about 20 people that were working for a big finance company and they were working on a, a project called Transforming Culture and they'd been working on it for about a year or so and they produced a 150-page document on transforming the culture of this very large kind of worldwide finance company. And no one could connect the document. It was just awful. It's very technically brilliant, but it was just, you know, it, it almost reached print and then had been read by the people that commissioned it. And I said, this is rubbish. This just has nothing alive about it, in a sense. So in their desperation, they turned to someone like me to, to think about the kind of dreaming level of things, <laughs> uh, which is usually the case in terms of social dreaming. It's an act of desperation. Um, and, and what came out of the, the first two or three social dreaming sessions at a, a kind of group level is that the, the rest of the group, and this was a crack squad of people that had been assembled from all, all around the world to work on this document. It's an important project to them. But the guy heading it up was, uh, I, think it's, I think he'd grown up in the foothills of the Himalayas or something, but he was the leader of the project, but there was this animosity towards him in the group that came through the dreams in a sense. There was this repeated kind of dreamlike image of, of this person that wasn't putting their weight to in a sense and that was uh, within the group was seen to be uh, part of the blockage to creativity so after the dreaming session when we had the dialogue afterwards about the dreams and i'm kind of drawing the themes out and asking the dream uh, the group to connect to the, the kind of manifest reality and things they began to talk out of this and they began to become quite angry towards this poor guy saying, oh, well, you know, we're all working 14 hour days. And then we, we look over at you and you're kind of, you know, at least once an hour, you're just kind of there, kind of slumped over your desk, you know, asleep. And we're all, you know, we're all trying to make this work and you're leading the team, but you're not, you know, you're not pulling your weight. And he just looked at them all with exasperation and said, you know, in my culture, I, I'm, I'm just trying to let my soul catch up with my body because we're all working so hard in a linear way but what about soul? So I just, every now and again, I just rest and just allow, you know, whatever images come to my mind and just to fill the gap because we're all so caught up in, in trying to get this right. And, you know, there was other things in, it was a three day event, but there was other things, but everything revolved around him saying that and suddenly it allowed everyone else just to let down from this working, working, kind of thinking, thinking, type way of working and so everybody started doing it you know yeah. over the next months and they all started doing a, a little dream bank and stuff like that but i think it to my mind really it was the most important thing that came out of that three days that him being able to speak out of that soulful perspective allowed everybody just to let down and start to reinvigorate their imagination this this dread of this project that just wasn't working was able just to you know, and play was introduced and emergence, creativity and, you know, um, 
So there is still space for soul in these places, but often it takes one person to invite everyone um, into it. I'd written down place for soul earlier just when Johan was talking, and I, and I think that there's something kind of important about the deliberate act in our busy, noisy lives um, to make space for soul. Like there's something in that, that it's not... Um, it's not a deliberate act, like an unfolding will occur. We don't know what we're going to get ourselves into, but just to to leave that space open, almost like a room in a flower bed for other flowers to grow. It's not by just bombarding it with those many flowers as we can fit in. Um, look, gents, we're coming up to the end of, of time here. Um, I usually finish with the question of what is a good life for you? Um, I don't want to do it that way this time, obviously, with the way the conversation has gone. I wouldn't just mind, I would like to just say some words that I've just written down during the course of this conversation, just for anyone who's listening along to maybe evoke uh, your own images, your own reactions, your own feelings towards them. And then I'll give you guys a moment to think about just what might be the benefits or the or what might be the correlation between soul and a good life? Just in a, in a couple of sentences, not what is a good life, but just to, to contemplate that. So the words I've written down anyway are participation, aliveness, dreams, something communal, images, imagination, exploration, creativity, ethics, the world soul, and tending that fire and space and there's no real order or reason or rhyme for those words, but just to maybe contemplate for anyone listening, uh, some of those words in, in guiding you into a sense or, or an exploration of soul. Uh, so whoever wants to go first in terms of what might be the correlation or connection between soul and a good life. Sometimes it's just nice to intuitively let it come up. And what comes up is um, a good life is a, is a life lived, you know, like, and, and so then the question for me is you could see is uh, still around the uh, liveliness of, you know, like, so, 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 so to notice how you're in your own way the whole time, you know, like uh, how scared we are and how apologetic we are and how, you know, like to, 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 to live uh, your life, you know, like to, 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 to really uh, fully embrace, um, who you are to be curious of who you are to you know um um i think you would find a way uh you would find home in a place like that where instead of looking to belong everywhere you know like we're trying to to to, to yeah. fit anywhere uh, where like um or, or or trying to get it right or or so like uh, i think uh, like so like the, the coming home to your to, to the soul or like thing that we speak to is there uh, is at least from a, a place of uh, aliveness. And, and I'm not saying that's where it stays, but that's that's the only place, like being present to that, being present to where, what is moving within you. Uh, so where is it alive? Where, where is it, what is alive in you is a question we often ask, but it's, it's what's moving in you. What's, what, what, are you, what is moving you, what are, you know, and, and, and being with that. I'm not saying it's, it's always right. Sometimes there's terrible things moving us and, uh, but there's no way getting around being with that, you know, like so, so, so. And then it just gets down to me to, to feel like you, you, you're living your life and not spectating your life or um, wondering or dreaming or fantasizing about the life that you were going to live one day or, you know, like this uh, fearing, you know, like a, it's just, uh, 
I don't know, there's a sense when I'm really in it. I'm just in it, you know, like and I'm mm. I'm participating and I'm refining and figuring it out as I'm going along, but then there's no there's not so much regrets. I'm just um working with the this liveness and that's already there. It's it's and I think it's in, in everybody that I speak to, it's at least there. It's just there to tend to that. So yeah. <laughs> what Johan said. <laughs> um, there's two things that come to mind. One is a bit more abstract and one is just uh, an image that springs to mind. So uh, I'll stop the image and it's walking my dog, walking my little dog. I, I, there's something that I'm deeply connected to in walking her at the moment. Uh, I live in Greenwich, just in, in London, and there's a beautiful big park here. and just that point at which I let her off the lead, which I think is a metaphor in itself as we enter the park. And just both kind of, you know, again, it's participation, both observing and participating in her movement, her interaction with the world, her excitement, her deep interest in this particular patch of ground, this kind of playfulness with another dog, this, you know, and not quite knowing where she's going to go next in a sense. And, following her lead in a way I, I just i just delight in it i really do it's my favorite part of the day um and then secondly it, it is and there's something in that which is about contentment i don't mean contentment in that kind of you know it's another word that gets taken up in many different ways but it, it's the kind of contentment that is contentment with with life as it is in a way in in all of its messiness in all of its unfolding which always includes suffering always includes doubt and confusion and death ultimately um i often witness that when i've worked with people that are that are dying that have a terminal diagnosis at some point uh you know some people suffer in their death and some people never you know, there's a great fear that all of us carry ultimately about death. And, and one of the tasks of life is to reconcile to that, I think. But often soul somehow appears along the way. And that that time when people really know that they're dying, their soul offers some kind of contentment that, oh, this is a part of life too. You know, there's an inevitability about that. And yet, at the same time, people that I think have really lived a life close to soul have their, an own, their own innate sense of contentment too that they've lived you know to to go back to what you were saying Johan and there's living close enough to to life I think there's something about soul you know and being tethered in both in the earth and in our bodies and in the the vast beyond at the same time in a way and uh, yeah, yeah. Gents, uh, that brings us to the conclusion of this uh, wonderful walk or exploration through soul. Um, thank you so much to the Perrier for joining me today on the What is a Good Life podcast. I've enjoyed the hell out of this and uh, I look forward to future conversations with thank you both you. around soul. Thank you very much, Mark. Thank you. And Dan, it was lovely listening to yeah. both of you. You too, yeah.